You are listening to the We Take Full Responsibility podcast, a podcast where we talk about what it means as leaders to take ownership of every aspect of our lives. This is Taylor Holmes of Kyle Timothy Bush, and we take full responsibility. Hey all, this is Taylor Holmes, and today I have the opportunity to interview my co-host, Kyle Bush. Uh, So in our episodes, you'll kind of see a similar framework in every episode where you'll get a couple minutes of us talking about something that we're really passionate about, then you'll hear uh, an interview, and that will be with some of our friends and some thought leaders on some different topics, and people that we're really interested in talking to, and somebody that I am super interested to talk to my friend here kyle yeah so here i am so in our premiere episode episode two we're going to begin to learn who kyle is <laughs> what makes kyle tick what gets him excited and a little bit about his past history so kyle all right here we go how about you start with tell me what life was like growing up my story growing up is a long one uh i grew up in a town called middletown ohio uh there has been a book written about this place called Hillbilly Elegy. It's a good book. Good book. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, it's okay. But uh, <laughs> uh, I read it, and it was like, it felt like I was peeling skin back because the story was similar to mine. Um, so my mom was a teen when she had me. Uh, dad was kind of in and out all of my childhood, more out than in. Um, was raised by a village, honestly, of... My mom's siblings, um, of my mom's mother, my grandma, Lisa. Um, and she is uh, the one who really created the foundation in me of um, just Christianity, I guess. She, I mean, I can remember getting up at 6 a.m. with her <laughs> doing devotions when I was like five, six years old. That's how I learned how to read chapter books, which was a big deal. And we can get to that story <laughs> later. Uh <laughs> So grew up there. We were, we were, I think we would be considered poor, but it never felt like we had need um, because we had each other. My mom was one of six that lived there, one of eight total between both of her parents. In Middletown? In Middletown. Um, and so I have like my, my, my eldest aunt on my mom's side, um, Lolo, and then KK, and then there's my mom, Uncle John, Cece, and Chris. And then on my dad's side, I was actually pretty close to my dad's family, closer than I was with him early on in my life. Um, his father was a big part of my upbringing. Um, he actually ended up raising me like I, I lived with him when I was in high school. Um, and then uh, my dad's sister, my Aunt Liz, is uh, she's just so dear to me. She gave me the nickname Chili Dog when I was a kid because <laughs> I loved conies okay yeah <laughs> and that's one that stuck I, I play intramural softball here in the springs and my jersey says chili dog and that's been <laughs> 25 years so yeah. hey when um, a nickname sticks it sticks yeah that's is you know it's a good nickname yeah shout out aunt liz <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh so yeah so that was i, I just had a whole tribe kind of kind of raising me and i think it was really beneficial i think that because of that um i have perspectives that a lot of people don't mm-hmm. and i can speak into situations that a lot of folks I think speak into that maybe they shouldn't because they haven't been there. Yeah. <laughs> a yeah. lot, a lot, a lot of, a lot of well to do, um, 
middle to upper class folks want to talk talk about lower class and the problems there and what what needs to happen and I know they mean well, but they just don't know it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we won't get into we won't yeah. get into all that stuff. So, but that was growing up. I, uh, I I moved high schools when I was a sophomore. Like I said, I went and lived with my grandfather, my dad's dad, and ended up going to college in the same town where I graduated high school. So it just felt like a long ten year ride through high school and, and college. Um, and yeah, I think growing up with just so many different roles I guess Mm -hmm. like I I was the oldest my mom's oldest I was the youngest of my my grandmother often called me her seventh child (laughs) um so I I was the big brother at the same time I was the little brother um there was and then I and then I moved in with my grandfather and there was this he had a late life child so I had (laughs) I had an uncle that was younger than me but we okay. were raised kind of like brothers. Yeah. And so, again, the the big brother role there, um, I was very confident and, and maybe even a little bit cocky. Um, a little bit. I was definitely <laughs> cocky uh, before I switched schools. And then when I got to my new school, when I was living with my grandfather, I was still cocky. And it actually led to me uh, getting into confrontation in the football weight room because I just thought I was stronger and cooler than everyone, and I got punched in the face. And that was a, that was a sovereign punch, though. I, yeah. It humbled me, and uh, I think because of that, I had a better last two years of high school. Like, it's kind of funny huh. how those yeah. those hard things come back to actually be good things. Um, yeah, we all have those things that yeah. hit us in the face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, kind of show us reality. Who were the people that stepped in? and modeled leadership to you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's a hard one because yeah. there wasn't there wasn't a ton of male leadership, I'll call it. I mean, my dad wasn't around. My grandfather stepped up and um, raised me for the last couple of years of high school and was, and was involved. Like while I was young, I would go out to his house and um, – but I knew necess- I, I knew that he wasn't, and I, Papa, I love you. He wasn't a guy that I wanted to be. Hmm. Um, I had been raised <laughs> as a believer, and had really taken hold of my faith when I was twelve, and he was not. Hmm. And, and our li- his lifestyle showed that, and so I knew that I was going to be different, and I wanted to be different. And it's funny now I look and I see that I have a lot of his mannerisms, yeah. like. Uh, when I work, like if I'm working with my hands, I whistle. <laughs> and that is totally a papal thing. Yeah. And uh or like when I grocery shop, I'm the slowest man in the world. I just like lean on my cart and lazily just go through. It's ridiculous. The and, aisles. I, and I never want to do that. I go in and I'm like, All right, gotta get these things and get out of here and it's like forty five <laughs> yeah. minutes later. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> um that's papal. So so there wasn't really there wasn't really um the father the father role as far as coming from a person but my grandmother was a very strong leader um and this is my mom's mom so when i was young uh she took a job running a food pantry for like the city and i remember like getting off of school and getting a ride out to the food pantry because mom was still working and and grandma could like have me in her office there and i remember putting together like bags of toiletries for like the less fortunate to come in and, and take and like putting together boxes with like chef boyardee and, and bottles of ketchup and just like like canned goods um 
and grandma was just so passionate about uh, poor folks. She started a homeless shelter in our hometown called the Hope House. And I don't think a lot of people know that, but she was like a big part of part of starting the Hope House in Middletown, Ohio. And um, it's funny. I hear like my mom and her siblings tell stories about how embarrassing it was for like them to ride around in like the homeless house's van because my grandma <laughs> drove around. Like <laughs> yeah. everybody thought they were they homeless. Yeah. Yeah. But they weren't. Um, they just, my grandmother, my grandmother is a great example of not having much, but still figuring out a way to bring people to her table. Hmm. She watched every little kid <laughs> in like a five block radius of our house. Um, whenever someone needed babysat, there was always kids at our house. I felt like I had to share my grandma all the time. Um, but she was just a woman who was just really strong on that front. Hmm. She was passionate about, uh, creating space for the less fortunate and so i love that about her it's one of the things i respect most about her um i would say as far as a a leader that i looked to early on Mm -hmm. it was her when i got to high school is when i got involved with young life remember uh my eighth grade teacher his name was john his name was john bagan and uh, i actually didn't have him as a teacher he was like a guy that i had in study hall and one time I was, was throwing a pencil on a friend that was getting on my nerves and my friend ducked and it hit John straight in the face. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm about to go to the principal's office, which wasn't super uncommon for me, but uncommon enough that I didn't like going. <laughs> um, and I remember he just looked at me and was like, hey, man, it's cool. And I thought that was so interesting mm. for a grown man yeah. that's like a teacher and, you know, a place of authority to just be like, yeah, I'll take that one. It's not a big deal. Uh, I get to high school and I find out that he's actually involved with Young Life, this organization, and we became buds and he um, invited me to like different retreats and things like that and really just was just strong. Like I, I, when I think of John, yeah. I think of like uh, a man's man, I guess, um, and not in like a macho Randy Savage, <laughs> but in a guy who like did what he said. Yeah. Um, he was tough about things that he needed to be tough about and he was gentle when he needed to be gentle and um, – was really just a guy I looked up to. I switched high schools, and they had Young Life at this next high school as well. And um, my football coach there was actually uh, on staff with Young Life. And so grew really close with him. And, and along with the lessons, the hard lessons you learn from playing sports in high school, um, he taught me a lot about who God says I am, who God is. Mm-hmm. Um, we also – there was a guy, uh, his name was Jordan, and, and he played football for – Miami, which is the college I ended up going to, he was he was the starting strong safety, and he was a monster. I remember when I first switched schools, I walked into the football weight room, like the first day or whatever, because I was like, well, I want to make some friends, I want to play football, I need to go to weightlifting, and he was in there to like get to meet kids and like you know kind of you know network, I guess, yeah, for and uh, contact yeah. work for those some, of you yeah. that know, there you go. and uh, <laughs> I saw him and I thought he was a high school student. And he was a college D1 football player. <laughs> and I thought, I don't stand a chance at this school. <laughs> but oh. uh, it ended up working out. So, yeah, but he was another guy. And he also had long, flowing brown hair. So I was, like, I was like, man, that dude is Jesus. <laughs> uh, and I, I really looked up to him a ton. And I still do. Jordan, if you're listening, call me, bro. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I would say my young life leaders in high school and my grandmother were mm. probably the three biggest influencers yeah 
So looking back over the last 10 years, where would you say the biggest places that you've been able to step into leadership? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I have so many stories from young life. So once it started when I was 15 years old, it just kind of kept going. I was looked to as like um, a key kid, uh, meaning, hey, we, we can't hang out with high school kids like you hang out with high school kids because you're one of them. So we need you to kind of be our ambassador. And I think that is probably the role that I find myself in most often uh, as far as leadership goes is being an ambassador, representing um, who sent me, whether that be uh, on behalf of like a manager in a meeting, like to be a proxy uh, on behalf of um, something that I ascribe to, like uh, like religion or, or anything like that. Um, for example, I, I volunteer with an organization instead of instead of being on staff with it because I know culture a lot of times has changed from that from that being in the like if you want to change volunteer culture, it starts with the volunteers. Yeah, and, and like you can get vision and be a, and be a part of um, of what's going on, but like you got to have that key ambassador amongst your volunteers that's going to make it happen. Right. So that you need is, somebody to be able to cast vision for people that are in a similar life stage or yeah, you, you need or, a guy, you need a guy or gal that says, uh-huh. I hear you and I agree. Right. I mean, this, what if we you. looked at it like this? Right. What do you think about mm-hmm. this? Um, so I find myself in that place a lot, even at work right now, I'm not in a, I'm not in a managerial role, but I look at, um, the, the job of the, the translator, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I've been doing this job for a while. I have a little bit of seniority. I hear what you're saying. I need to translate. I hear what you're saying, what you're saying, you know, my, my supervisor. Here's what is going on down here. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I want to translate this for you because I care that you know what's going on here. And I know that you care about your messaging getting through clearly. Right. And this is a way to do that. Mm-hmm. And then to, to do that inversely as well as um, here's what we're saying. Can you hear that in right. a way mm-hmm. that is important? That, that yeah. is, that's actually going to mm-hmm. make an impact. What are you passionate about right now? Right now, equity. Not meaning money, but just like time, relationships, whatever. Because I've just let things go. Whether that be an opportunity, whether that be um, something that is hard, like just letting it be and not taking not taking responsibility for changing mm-hmm. it. Uh, like I can think of times where I've been disappointed in the workplace. I can think about times where I've been disappointed in a friendship i can think about times i've been you know upset with my church things like that and instead of of taking responsibility instead of doing that work because work is hard just let things go and i don't want to do that anymore and so i'm, I'm actively looking for places in my life and i'm inviting friends <laughs> that, yeah. that know me and trust and that i trust into that and saying where where do you see me being lazy where do you see me being apathetic where do i need to to take responsibility um, and that's, that's kind of the, and I know it, it's poignant because that's right. the name of our podcast, yeah. uh-huh. but it's real that's because that's, that's, that's why behind it. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's the work that we got to put in. Kyle, thanks for taking the time to sit down and talk. Yeah, man. On next week's episode, Kyle will be interviewing me and you'll get to hear a little bit about my journey in leadership and some of the things that I'm excited about right now. So make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss that. If you want to get updates about our upcoming shows, the content, and who we will be interviewing, make sure that you follow us on Instagram 
at wtfr.podcast. And again, Kyle, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you.